Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Saturday, February the 17th. And welcome to our commentary. It was a little chilly when we woke up here in North Texas today. It was like around 30 degrees uh, in, the, in the wee hours of the morning, as they like to say. It was very cold, and it was windy later in the morning. So it felt a little chilly. It seems like winter wanted to you know, come back for a day or two. It's going to be like that, I guess, all weekend. Uh, next week, it'll be, it'll be a little bit, uh, a little bit better. But you know, we always have, we always have a couple of winter moments, if you will. Uh, in January and February, we already had our winter moment in the middle of January. We got some ice and a little bit of uh, snow. And I think we're probably going to get another one. We always do. So February is not over yet. And I remember one year we even had one in early March. That was a little freaky, but nevertheless. So, you know, winter doesn't go away that quickly, that quickly here in North Texas. There's always one or two, one or two visits just to remind us, just to remind us that uh, winter <laughs> is alive and alive and, and well. Well, <laughs> we had a... We had a really interesting day today. We went to a funeral, an old friend, a wonderful lady who passed away. She was 91. And while I was at the at the cemetery, I saw a grave of a man named Trini Lopez. And I asked the, you know, the funeral uh, manager or the cemetery manager, I said, is that by any chance Trini Lopez, the, the, the popular singer who was born here in Dallas? And he said, that's him. That's him. So I had a chance today to to be uh, in, in the cemetery, and not far away was the late uh, Trini Lopez, who rests uh, in peace right here in the Dallas area. Well, the big story, of course, from the last couple of days uh, is what I call the persecution of Donald Trump. This is really no longer about, you know, the law or things that he did wrong. Now, now we're getting into personal persecution where he's being targeted. And there's no better example of that than what just happened in New York, where he was found guilty of fraud, and he's going to have to pay $350 million and be out of business for like three years or something out of New York. Now, I guess the good news is that most of his business is not really in New York anymore because he got out, uh, as many others have. But this was such an outrageous decision by this judge. I'm assuming it's going to go down on appeal. It should go down an appeal. This is so outrageous. You know, we have Jonathan Turley, who's a pretty serious guy. He's certainly not a Trump supporter. When he comes out and he says this is an outrageous decision, then you, you kind of get the feeling that it is. But they're basically accusing the Trump uh, organization of fraud. Well, the problem is there are no victims of this fraud. The banks are not complaining about being victims. and in, in fact, the banks are saying he paid us well. He paid us on time, paid us with interest. And he was such a good customer. We like to have him back. And so there's no 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 victim here in this uh, fraud uh, case. So you have to ask yourself the question, what's going on here? Well, what's going on is the attorney general ran for office in 2022 saying, vote for me and I'm going to destroy Trump. Now, just think about that. Just think about that. You have an attorney general who's one of the campaigns was vote for me and we're going to destroy Trump. You know, we're going to punish Trump. Well, that's not the rule of law. That is persecution of a man. 
and that uh, should not be allowed. And I, I keep telling all my Democrat friends, uh, or oh, not all Democrats, but some of the crazy friends who seem to be invested in this Trump derangement syndrome, where they basically want to destroy the country if that's what it takes to destroy Trump. I keep telling them, you know, you can hate Trump all you want, but just make sure you love the country more than you hate uh, than you hate Trump, because this is going to come back to haunt some Democrats in the future. Once you get into in the, into this uh, world of political vengeance, it goes both ways. It goes both ways, and the country suffers. This is the key. This is really a lot more than, you know, arguing about Trump. This is really about the country and the country suffering. When you get into this kind of political vengeance, you know, I kill you, uh, you kill me, and you almost get into a holy war. So I, I hope that more sensible Democrats come to terms with all of this because it's really hurting the country. Again, it goes beyond Trump now. It's really about the country. And what we've seen out of New York with this case, it's just outrageous. I mean, absolutely outrageous. $350 million? Where did that number come from? I mean, who picked that number? What is that all about? And again, where's the victim? There's no victim in this fraud case. Normally when you have a fraud case, there's somebody who suffers some economic disadvantage, I guess, from the fraud. No such thing here. I mean, this is so outrageous that uh, you almost, I'll tell you what's happening. And I, I think some Democrats are starting to figure this out. The more they attack Trump, the more they persecute Trump, the stronger Trump gets. Look at the Look at the polling data. I mean, the comeback, the Trump comeback began on the day that they sent the FBI into his home. That was the beginning of the comeback. That's when he started to go up in the polls. Again, check it out for yourself. Go to Real Clear Politics, and they've got all these polls going back for however long. And you can begin to see that that's when the Trump comeback began. And right now, he's a couple of points uh, up on on President Biden, assuming that's going to be the match. I'm not sure it is, but uh, that's what it is right now. And, uh, you know, and again, this also this case down in Georgia with this uh, woman, uh, District Attorney Fannie Willis. Look, I have no idea what's going to come out of that. There's a lot of stuff being thrown back and forth, all these people. I think it makes them for some very good television. I'll say that. But I'm not sure exactly what all the legal ramifications are going to be. But I do know one thing. I do know one thing. She was the district attorney, and the man that she was romantically involved with was the attorney working at her office. That cannot be accepted. You know, if you hate Trump so much that you're willing to accept that, then you're going to be asking for bigger trouble down the road. That cannot be accepted. Those two people, Fannie Willis and that other man, I think his last name is Webb, whatever his name is, those two people should be, at the very least, uh, reprimanded and punished, uh, I'm sure there's a rule in that, in the state of Georgia that says that uh, the district attorney cannot be romantically involved with one of the attorneys in the office. I'm sure there's a rule that says that, but just on those grounds alone, they should be reprimanded very strongly and perhaps even suspended for a while because you cannot have this kind of romantic involvement in an office, particularly not a district attorney's office where you are dealing with some very serious topics. But again, what drives all of this is this crazy, this crazy Trump derangement syndrome and persecution of Trump at any cost. And it's it's hurting the country. That's all I can tell you. And it's not hurting Trump. 
Okay, you know, Trump is not being hurt by any of this. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the polling data goes up even more uh, after this. Well, we're learning a little bit about the shooting up in Kansas City. This is the Super Bowl parade. And what we are learning is that the two people that the police has arrested and the police are uh, accusing of having done the shooting are a couple of young minors, juveniles, as they're called, a couple of young people who brought a gun, had a gun. And if you know anything about Missouri law, or for that matter, most states, young people like that are not supposed to have guns. And it is illegal to sell them a gun or give them a gun. So, you know, people are talking, every time we have one of these things, we have to have, you know, a parade of people on TV talking about new gun laws. Well, no, we don't need any gun laws in Kansas City or in Missouri. We've already got them. And obviously, these two juveniles or minors, they already broke existing law. They were not supposed to have these guns. That's not what a minor is supposed to do. And whoever gave them the guns, well, they broke the law too. And then you always have to ask yourself, what about the parents? Where are the parents of these juveniles? Well, where were they in all of this? Weren't they aware of the fact that their kids were maybe hanging around with, with the bad crowd? And maybe their kids had guns or the parents were so isolated from reality that they didn't know any of this. Look, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know the parents. I'm not going to be judging people. And yes, there are times as the father of three sons, I can tell you that there were times when I didn't always know what my kids were doing, but at least I took an interest in finding out, or at least I was trying to find out what they were doing. Obviously my son's never engaged in anything like this, but nevertheless, as a father, I felt that I had responsibility to know what they were doing. And uh, my wife and I were always trying to find out what they were doing just so that we know what they were up to. And again, once again, you know, we're not, we're not paying attention to parental responsibility, which I think at the end of the day, that is the most important thing we need to be talking about. You know, what, what is it about our society that parents are so irresponsible that these so-called juvenile minors are out there with guns shooting each other? That's, you know, there's no, no gun law that is going to fix that. I got to tell you, you can pass all the laws you want, but if you've got this kind of parental irresponsibility, I'm not sure it's going to, it's going to matter much. Well, today we're going to remember on this day in history, we're going to remember Jim Brown. Now, Jim Brown, for those uh, of us who grew up watching the NFL in the 60s and 70s, was a running back with the old Cleveland Browns. This is the team that is now the Baltimore Ravens. There is another team, Browns, but this is the original Cleveland Browns. And he was a running back, a a fullback, an unbelievable player. And I grew up watching him and just loving watching uh, whenever he played. He had a very short career, played for about 10, maybe 11 years at the most. Uh, He rushed uh, for 13,112 yards, 118 games. He averaged, and this is amazing, he averaged 104 yards a game. Talk about being a, a workhorse, scored 108 touchdowns. Now, granted, the game was a little bit different in the late 60s and early 70s. It was, it was more of a running game. You didn't have, you know, the quarterback passing the ball 40 or 50 times like you do now. But still, that is some pretty amazing work uh, by Jim Brown. He retired very young. I think he was about 30, 31 years old. One day he said, I quit the NFL. He went on to make movies. Now, you got to understand, back then, they didn't make the kind of money they make now. 
So, you know, I'm sure his body was pretty beaten up by this kind of, of work uh, rushing activity over 10 years. So I'm sure he's, he looked at himself and said, hey, you know, I'm going to go make some movies, make some money, and uh, I'm not going to destroy my body uh, playing football until I'm 35 years old. So he got out and he started making movies, became very popular uh, making movies. He did a lot of other things too. But in my mind, the greatest running back ever and remembering those, you know, days in the late 60s, early 70s, when we used to watch the Sunday afternoon games, my brother and I used to watch those games on TV. And Jim Brown was amazing, just absolutely amazing. And I still think he's the greatest running back ever. I'm sure, you know, others would say Walter Payton and these others. Those are great. Those guys are great, too. I'm not taking anything away from Walter Payton or Emmett Smith or any of those great, uh, great runners, uh, in NFL history. But for me, watching Jim Brown was the most exciting thing I could ever see. And the reason he was so exciting is because he took over the game. I mean, when Jim Brown was on the field, you know that Jim Brown was going to be in the middle of just about every play. The guy just took over the game. And uh, he was absolutely amazing to watch. So we remember Jim Brown, who was born on this day in 1936 and died away, died uh, not long ago. Uh, 2023, uh, he passed away, but he was great. All I can tell you is he was absolutely great. Well, have a week, week have a great weekend, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. I think we're going to do a show about the Mexico elections the next time. Um, haven't confirmed it yet, but I hope we can put all the guests together and, and do a show about the Mexico election coming up soon. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you later. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. <music>